Hello. Well, good morning, Mr. Man. Good morning, Mr. Benjamin. How are you? Your call is important to me. Hello. <laughs> it sounds like you would like to record a podcast. If you would like to record a trouble with your podcast recording, touch one, zero, nine. Can you hear that in the background? Uh, right now? Oh, sorry. I should say, uh, in my background, you may hear a, a very loud drilling sound. No, it sounds really good. Mm. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Hmm? Okay. Hello. Thank you. You have reached podcast problem support line in English. If you prefer to hear this in Spanish, learn Spanish. Click to continue. Hello. <laughs> My name is what Skip have you been, are you, Have you been on hold with something for a while? My name is Skip Intro. <laughs> I am CEO of Flash Landing Page Technologies. Skip Intro. <sighs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm back on the road podcaster for a little while. So, uh, so oh, you know, up. I was going to say you sounded a little bit different. Yeah. You know, I'm once and for all going to figure out what the F is going on with this pre-Sonus Audio Box 22 VSL. Uh, but for now, I'm on the uh, the road. What happened with it? What do you mean? What? Oh, it's a long story. But I've, I've, you know, no one cares. This is really boring. But it, uh, it, uh, it, uh, the I've been using the uh, the Shure, and uh, but it kept always recording only on the left channel. It sounded good mm-hmm. to the ears listening to me and my podcast buddies. But when I recorded, it was only the left channel. And I've never figured out why. <sighs> and I'm going to figure it out once and for all. I uh, I read the. First, I think the first maybe six thousand words of of Marco Arment's very long <laughs> microphone review. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been saying what was the one that was recommended. Oh, people should check this out. I put it in show notes. Marco, this is a nice uh, appendix or adjunct to your your wonderful podcasting advice you give people. Um, my friend Marco the Obsessive has written a podcasting microphones mega review right. that's hi- highly opinionated as he's wont to be. But what's funny is I've been asking all my buddies. I get on the Slack and I say, "What should I do? What should I do to replace this?" PreSonus Audio Box 22 VSL, which is seems fine, but it does, I don't know what I'm doing wrong with it. And everybody's like, oh, you should totally get the sound devices USB Pre 2. I'm like, sure, I'll totally pick one up. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, Marco and Mike and uh, Steven are all like, hey, you know, yeah, you should just go get the, uh, go pick up the sound devices USB Pre 2. I'm like, that sounds great. I'll pick it up. Was it like 150 bucks? You know what it costs, Dan? It's about 900. About $900. Yeah, I don't, I, I think that's, be so far beyond overkill, even for somebody who is doing podcasting for a living as their full time job. I think it's so beyond what you need, uh, but yes. it's very nice if you it if you cool. if it you have the means. Cool. If you like things with like dials and <laughs> lights and knobs and various interfaces for I and O, it's really cool. But I saw it and I actually did this. <laughs> And my eyes did that thing. You can't see it. Right. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and maybe not get that right now because that's a lot of money. Well, it's it's the same kind of thing if somebody said, I, I would like a nice four-door sedan. And you could you could recommend a Honda Accord. You could recommend maybe, you know, maybe you like a American. You know what? You can still get a Saturn. You might recommend a Saturn. Uh, but a lot of people would say, well, you know, the good, the good one is that's the BMW or that's the mm-hmm, Audi mm-hmm. or that's the, you know what? Well, you're at it, get a Land Rover. Should get the the BMW uh, USB. This is this is the Land Rover. 
I would say. It, it's wonderful. Yeah. You'll have a great time in it. It looks cool. It, it'll, you know, I test drove one. You can hit a button and you can like change the height of the suspension and the whole car moves up and down a little bit because I'm going to be going off road. I want to drive through a river, hit the <laughs> driving through a river button and it'll get the, it goes up on the wheels and it's high. Like it's, it's amazing. It sounds like you want river setting. <laughs> Would but, you like to drive in a river? Don't get me wrong. I have I have some personal experience with this thing. I do not own one. This thing is fantastic. Of course yeah. you should get that. But if you, you know, if, it's expensive. Yeah. Very. yeah I, I, I got to figure all that out. I'll get that figured out. Anyway, I'm probably going to sound a little bit high midi. And, I will uh, tweak, I, I'll tweak you down. I also need to figure out, you should just tell me how to set my dingus on the uh, Sure. Because I don't even know. I always ask John, asking John Roderick about it. How do you set the dingus on the on the butt of your Sure? What do you set it to? Uh, let me look at it right now. Hold on. I have it's, mine set to uh, the, the left button is a, is a straight line of the, the slider. And the right slider is a little hump. That's how I do it. Um, so, so there's uh, four arrows. <laughs> I think that's a Star Trek joke. Yeah, uh, top four, arrow, top arrow. Top. I've got top arrow and top arrow. There you go. And then my little. Um, this is the Nike I'm not using right now. The. Um, and then my curve is uh, is high. It's yeah. Got that, it's got a curve on the high. Is yeah. that what I want? Does, does that make me sound like a saxophone? No, you, you're going to sound more like a <laughs> maybe a baritone sax. How about a bob up? Uh, yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to roll off my annoyance. Is there an annoyance roll off? <laughs> <laughs> then there'd be no audio at all. I know that's called a healthy childhood. <laughs> a healthy childhood. There is no knob for healthy childhood, right? <laughs> oh. oh, we have fun, don't we? Yes. Um. So yes. anyway, that's me. And so there's a guy here. There's a there's a very nice Russian man who I think is removing <laughs> and or installing carpeting. He has many very very loud tools, and so. Seven feet behind me. Is uh, it in your physical home? I can't really talk about it, but it's it's in it's not in my what? It's it's near my studio uh, private office. Oh, and, you're in the oh right. I always forget that that you're yes, over there. yes, and uh, all the way up here in San Francisco, <laughs> all the way up here. Uh, yep. Yeah, so that'll probably be really loud sometimes, but you know that'll add flavor. You know, at least I'm not using. I you know I I now remember to use my quiet keyboard, which I think helps. It's funny to listen to old episodes when I was still. Let's see here. You can really. That's a quiet one, or that's the loud one. That's DOS. That's that's. If I listen to old episodes and I'm just typing away, like I'm just typing and typing. It sounds like I'm uh, I don't know writing writing some James Joyce, like lots of very long things I type. But now I have this very quiet. This Logitech. This Logitech. As long as we're talking about gear, huh? Yeah. Gear. Yeah. I've got a mouse I like a lot. We've got a lot to, I want to talk about this mouse I like. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week, Dan, if you, if you choose. I would love to, sure. You got a, you got a hard out. I got it, yeah, but it's at the 90 minute mark. I think that's reasonable. That's very reasonable. It's beyond reasonable. So I covered the banging. How was your, how was your Labor <laughs> Day weekend? I covered the banging. I covered the banging. The banging has been covered. Check. It was good. We had some friends come through town. They were on a. Did they stop? They did. They came through from a camping trip, and they didn't want to go too far from 35, so we met them kind of on on route home for their, their home, going back to Plano. Plano. And that was nice yeah. seeing Plano, them. They, Texas. Now, you, let me ask you a question. Yes. When I think of camping, and I, so I want to know, and you can be my litmus test for this. I will when, be your litmus test. You won't. When I think... I, I'm strongly based. <laughs> Hello, can you go? Death row, what a brother know. 
Once again, back is the incredible. I don't listen to rap music. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, for me, camping is you you get camping gear, which includes a tent, and you drive to a location, and then if you're if you're really copping out, you park, and then you put the tent up next to the vehicle that you parked in. That's a cop out. The real camping would be you then hike from the parking lot, which should be gravel or dirt, and then you hike you your would, way. You would you would camp somewhere with a paved uh, parking area. No, you you then you you tra- traverse the wilderness <sighs> until you find a place and you say, you know what? It's a it's a little past noon. We better set up camp, and you set up camp. <laughs> And then, and maybe it's by a, a lake or a river so that you can get food because maybe mm-hmm. you only brought the bare necessities mm-hmm. and, uh, and that you're, maybe some of the meals will come from fishing or maybe that he gets his compound bow to go and shoot some game. Ooh. Okay. That to me is camping. Mm-hmm. I will, I will say that I've only done that maybe once or twice in my life and I didn't like it, but, but that's have kids. No. Now that is what I think of as camping. I would say with kids, camping would be building the tent next to the place that you parked. Mm-hmm. That that would be my compromise. What these people do for camping is they own a camper that they tow behind their truck. And the camper has like a kitchen in it. It has electrical power. You can plug into a thing. It has a running bathroom with water and other things in it. There are beds. There's mul- it sleeps five comfortably and yeah and this is there and now it's as nice as this sounds it's still relatively low frills and it's certainly not as convenient as your own home but for them camping is driving this thing backing it incorrectly hooking it up to the power outlet and the thing that takes the poopy water away and 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 that is (laughs) that's a technical term yes I think they call it. There's dark water and there's gray water, and I think gray water. Yeah, gray gray water would be your shower water. See, I think people give gray water too much credit because they're like, well, you can also water your plants with gray water. Gray water is what comes out of your sink and out of the bathtub. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. But you know, I put a lot of stuff in that water that's more than gray. You know, I know. On on Bob's Burgers, they call it the guest bathroom. (laughs) Got to go use the guest bathroom. (laughs) So that's what they did. That was there. And so when they say camping, that's they mean they. Connected, you know, electrical yeah, the to the atavistic, RV. The atavistic side of Dan, the Dan who theoretically owns a crossbow, mm-hmm. would like to do the more sophisticated kind of camping where you go somewhere besides a car to sleep. And it requires a, more of a detachment from the modern comforts, strictly right. speaking. You shouldn't, there shouldn't be any hoses or wires involved in camping, in your opinion. Right. Yeah. Unless they're found items, like artifacts, like in Gamma, oh, Gamma Wars. Sure. It's like uh, Zork. Gamma World. Did I say Wars? Gamma World. Did you play Gamma World? I did not. I, I you play a little Traveler. Is that similar? I think I think it's similar. Um, well, you don't want to ask me this because I actually spent a lot of my weekend talking about these topics. So, oh, there it goes. Oh my gosh, he's got some kind of a jackhammer. I heard something, but it sounded more like you set a paperclip on the top of your desk. Oh man. Uh, spent a lot of time talking about this. I'll keep this brief because I know we got a hard out. Uh, <laughs> our family went <laughs> to visit our in-laws and we, uh, as, as we do, and had a wonderful time. And we ended up going to uh, Lake Tahoe last night for fireworks, which was great. I've never, I've never been to Lake Tahoe. And um, 
I did not see uh, Michael Corleone's house, unfortunately. Oh, man. That's in a different area. I think that's in like more like North Tahoe. We were in Southeast Tahoe. Don't be creepy. And, uh, and it was, we had a really good time. Great fireworks. Oh, my daughter, my daughter's first full on being near the fireworks, fireworks show. And she had the best quote about life I've ever heard. It was like 830. The fireworks start. She's falling asleep. And then it's so loud. She was so brave, but she goes, she's really sleepy and she's laying on my wife and she goes, it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and so scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep, honey, you just pretty much summed up life. Wow. Uh, but, but it was adjacent to, uh, and man, we just, we hit cherries all day long on this, on this day. We were, we got parking. It was great. We had the total Pope parking. It was amazing. And, uh, but we were adjacent to a campground and we were, you know, remarking on the various kinds of camping that people do. Oh. Now, I think what you're describing, so you've got the one kind of camping, which is like real camping, which I've done uh, setting aside scouts. It's something I was, I've done as an adult about twice. Right. One time in Big Sur. Uh, which I can highly recommend. We did the thing with my, uh, my lady and my friend Michael where like you get equipment and you carry it somewhere. And boy, is that inconvenient. But you can really feel like you're camping because you're looking at the Pacific Ocean. It's really amazing. Uh, I think what you're describing is what my wife disparagingly calls car camping, which I oh, think yeah. is a, it's, a very, it's a very unkind term from another time. But car camping is where you get, go to a KOA or some other place and you pay somebody in a hat, uh, you, uh, you, like a, 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 not Yogi Bear, who's the guy? Smokey? Smokey the Bear? You, who am I thinking of? The catcher for the Yankees? You pay the catcher for the Yankees and you pull into a spot and you, you put your thing on there, you get your bear box and you got a place to put up your tent. Which I, you know, when you've got a little kid, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But I was also, I have to be honest with you, Dan, I was really admiring the campers, the, the, you know, RVs. Did you see any airstreams? No, no. But also people were coming back. We saw a lot of people coming back from Burning Man on the drive back yesterday. Oh yeah. Because they have what's called playa dust. Don't, don't call it sand. It's dust. Playa dust, um, all over their vehicles. But I was thinking to myself, man, I, I think I could really enjoy a little bit of RV camping in what, in the sweet spot. Like I wouldn't want one of those. Obviously I could never in a million years afford to buy one of these, but you can rent them. Various sizes, sleeps a certain number of people, has a certain number of conveniences. I think it comes down to what you're there to camp about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're really into the whole like, we're going to go and get bitten by things, experience, like go carry your equipment and all that. But I, I kind of like just making bacon on a fire. Like I'm okay with car camping. The only problem with car camping really is you're really close to other people mostly. Like you can hear drunk people in the next tent. Oh yeah. You know? But uh, I was very attracted to And the thing that I proposed to my wife that made her make this face was, I was like, why don't we just drive to Lake Tahoe, rent an RV there, and drive like the two or three miles to a campsite? Like, that would be totally awesome. We don't have to drive a camper around. And you got, you got a place for the poopy water to be taken away. Yes. You, got, you, got, you might even have a microwave. I don't know. I find that there's something about that that's very appealing. It's the same part of me that like wanted to live in the house of the future when I was a kid, you know? Then there's another thing that I learned about from Project Runway that's called glamping, which is probably the worst name for a thing ever. And that's where you have a glamour camping. And that's where you, you want to have a bespoke artisanal camping experience with great food, uh, probably like a chocolate fountain. <laughs> um, it's called gray water. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I would... That's if- gl- gl- glamping is when you, like, you go all out and you get like fancy foods and you have like nice silverware and stuff. And the whole idea is to be camping as fancy as you can, which does not have a lot of appeal for me unless I had a manservant. Wow. Well, I think I like the idea of... What is it, what is it called when you go to just a, a cabin that has running water and electricity in it and maybe not a lot of necessarily modern conveniences, but you can flush a toilet and you can turn on a light 
but you're in you're surrounded by nature and maybe there's canoeing or kayaking involved and there's hiking around and you can shower at the end of the day. What is that called? I don't know. I mean, that sounds like your standard cabin camping. I'm not even attached to running water. I mean, if it's just for a few days, you I can mean, make the, do. Yeah, I mean, you just you go and you, you you poop in the bucket. It's no big deal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I am. My family not big fans of the portalette. Makes a pitcher's mound. You ever seen? You ever look in one of those? Oh, yes, yeah. I have in Philadelphia. I might change my mind and say I'd like to have a toilet that flushes. Uh, I, that's fun. That can be very fun. Especially, you know, what's great it, with any of this stuff is going with people who know what they're doing. So if somebody like has a cabin in their family and they know what stuff is there, you know, and there's already blankets and salt and pepper and stuff, like that's nice. It can be very costly to do one of these trips for a couple of days because you basically have to recreate a home environment on a campground. I think it's easier when the kids get older. I don't see you. I don't see you camping. I, in my head, I don't see you camping. Well, I've done it. I've done it multiple times. I haven't done it for a while. I haven't done it since I had kids. I kind of want to do it now. We, we've done it with the kid, but you know, it's, I don't know. I'm just so easily annoyed that camping is the perfect vehicle for annoyance in a lot of ways. But I want to do it again. But man, an RV, wouldn't that be sweet? I would love the, to have an Airstream. I think that's the way to go. If you're going to do it, Get an Airstream because those things are really, really cool. There's a whole like cult following of the Airstream. Sure, but you're thinking mostly because of the way they look from the outside. I have seen them inside, and there are there are people who can make them look pretty amazing on the inside. Like modern, convenient, they look really, really cool. Like I could live in yeah. an Airstream. All the mod cons. Well, I was going to just say that <laughs> it depends on what you are there to camp for or camp about. Where you know, and it's sort of like the same approach as hotel rooms in some ways, like. I happen to be one of those horrible, broken people that likes sitting in a hotel room because it keeps me away from the world. And I like that. So I like an, an okay, nice hotel room with some room to move around. But, you know, the truth is, if you're going to go to New York City and you're mostly going to be out on the town, <clears throat> excuse me, out on the town in the day and night, all you really need is a bunk. Like, you don't need anything fancy. It just depends on how much. Like, if, you're, if your intention is to sp- spend a lot of time, like, sitting in a giant mosquito-proof tent drinking blender drinks, then you're going to need something fancier. But if you're mostly there to like hike and go swimming and stuff like that, I think you can get by with relatively little. It's amazing what you can actually do without when you really are required to do without. It's it's getting into the mindset of enjoying it and not focusing on those kinds of things. And in my experience, because like the first Mm -hmm. time that I went camping, I was there and I was like, we don't have this. We don't have, I was a kid. I mean, totally, you know, but that was like everything. It was all about what we don't have and the stuff that we don't have available and what I felt like I was missing out on. And then later when I went as a uh, college age person, it was like, I don't want that stuff. I'm here because I want to get a break from all of that. And I don't need that. And let's, you know, we'll sleep on the floor. And it, you know, it got very, very cold and we were not prepared for it. But like that didn't ruin the trip. It would just, that's just what happened, you know, and we were freezing all night and we were lighting little uh, little candles to try to stay warm inside the tent, which is apparently a fire hazard. But we were totally unprepared for what we were doing. It was a college thing, but it was still a lot of fun, you know, and, and, and I think that's the mindset. And that I don't think I know if I could get my kids to to go along with. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. It's a weird kind of uh, Buddhist exercise where, like, if you're mostly thinking about what's not available, you, you, you will not be capable of even a neutral time. Like you'll be sad the whole time because there's so much stuff you you don't have. It's more like, well, what can we get by with? Oh, we forgot the nice spatula or whatever, you know, but like there was a kind of a, 
like semi-famous story in my family about one of my one of my sisters-in-law went to this like fairly luxurious location. And like, <laughs> she was kind of mad for half a day that they only had last month's Vogue. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, that's, this isn't really a, like a Vogue centric occasion, but you know, I, I take your note, but yeah, we should do some camping. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. We had nice fireworks, nice weekend, had some fun. <sighs> it's hot here. It's hot here right now. It's improbably hot. I'm wearing short pants, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Is that a rare thing for you? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't wear shorts. I had to spend years wearing shorts in Florida. I mean, I, mm. oh, anyway. Um, so how's it going? Pretty good. Cute picture of your kid with the Hulk. That was a very cute picture. Oh yeah, she she she's loves very Hulk. photo. She's very photogenic. Thanks. Um, let's go get noisy banging. We got fireworks. Got a new mouse. What mouse? People, oh my God. people will want to know. Well, I learned about it from other people, and I am so excited about this mouse. It's been very interesting. Um, can I talk about it real quick? Yeah, I would love to hear it. So I've got this mouse. I put it in show notes. Dan, in, in as much as you're comfortable saying or able for security reasons to say, could you please, could, <laughs> could please tell our listeners where they would find show notes for uh, episode Diggity 237 of your Back to Work program? Yeah, go to 5by5.tv slash B is in brethren, 2 is in the number, W is in world, slash 237. I put in a link to the Logitech MX Master. MX Master. That sounds like a, some kind of a, an Adobe course. MX Master wireless mouse. Oh my gosh. This looks and like something from Tron. Isn't it pretty? It's wild. It, it's, yeah, it's totally crazy. Well, my, my, so the funny thing is, like for years, I was a mouse person. Uh, I had the, I went and checked Amazon for this. 2008, I, I bought the Logitech MX Revolution, which is pretty much everybody's favorite mouse for a long time. It, it was, it's one of those multi-button mice. It's very, it's pretty ergonomic. Um, <clears throat> like all these MX mice, it's about like, you know, they're kind of big in your hand. Instead of, if you think about the ergonomics of a mouse, typically it's pretty nuts that you would have your hand like sort of flat. This, you know, kind of conforms to the curve of your palm. So it's got two buttons. It's got a great scroll wheel. It's got a scroll wheel button. <clears throat> it has this cool mode. Uh, this is I'm here. Here I'm talking about all the Logitech mice. It has an amazing um, scroll wheel where it, it goes ticka 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 when you're scrolling. But if you you can have there's a setting where you can variably have it flip into a smooth scroll. So if you're on a really really long page, you can go like, and it turns into free fl- free wheeling. It just flies until you stop it and it clicks. <laughs> and it's it's really it's really really great. And it's got uh, it's got some side buttons. So anyway, I I love the MX Revolution. At some point, I don't know why, I think because I'd gotten used to the touchpad on my MacBook Air, I popped for the the desktop version of that. The what's the pad called? The touchpad. Yeah, I guess so, the trackpad. Hmm. And you know, I I feel like I I always felt like I'd gotten pretty good at it. I was using um better touch tool an app I'll put in notes that's Brett Terpstra taught me about for adding all kinds of great gestures and stuff. It's really great. So anyway, I heard about this mouse from, I think Mike Hurley was talking about it. He heard about it from this YouTube fella. What's his name? Famous YouTube guy. Uh, Marcus Brownlee. Is that his name? He's like a famous YouTube guy. I don't know. He did a review. Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD, uh, did a review of this. Uh, and I, I thought, what the heck, I'll try it. It's kind of expensive, but I was like, everybody likes this, I'll try it, uh, you know. Oh, so, you know, uh, I'll get this. Oh my God, this thing's amazing. It's got all that stuff I mentioned before, plus some really great new stuff. Um, the old Logitech MX that I had, 
had to be charged in a cradle every week or two, which was mm, kind of annoying. The new one has a little mini, like mini USB, so you can just you know charge it with a regular cord. It's got pretty good battery life. Um, <clears throat> it's got some nice improvements though. One thing is apparently uh, it has an improvement where some mice don't like glass surfaces and dark surfaces. Right. This one does fine with glass and dark surfaces. I'm using it on my uh, the desk I stole from my college, which is a brown fake wood, and it's doing fine with that. Um, and what else does it have that's really great? It's got here's two two things that are new to me: a thumb scroll wheel. Mm. So imagine you're editing something and you want to be able to scroll left or right. You got a wheel for that. So you have the vertical scrolling in the kind of the center part, like under your fingers, mm-hmm. and then under your thumb, you got a thumb scroll wheel. So like, oh my God, editing in GarageBand was so fast. I had to edit something very quickly last night. It worked out really great, the thumb wheel. Here's the next thing, though, is if you see that crazy looking like geodesic pattern on the thumb rest. Right, that's, I saw that, and that looks like, that's what I was saying, it looks like a Tron thing. Oh yeah, right, right. It's like right, a fractal right. or something. What is it called? Fractal. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a, uh, like a wireframe from animation. What that is, that's a gesture button. So when you click on that and then move the mouse, you can basically uh, associate that with various gestures. So out of the box, it emulates like high desktop, show, you know, control center, all those things. You can move between desktops that way. Um, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but it, but it's it's a really really nice mouse. And funny thing, here's kind of the craziest part: the Logitech software does not suck. Like I actually went in and used the Logitech software. You can you know obviously you can. Customize this to have any of these keys do whatever you want. So you can go in and have that gesture do, you know, be whatever you want it to be, depending on the kind of work that you do. So even if you're just writing and you want to move between like various desktops where you have documents open, it's great. But especially if you're editing stuff, like I could see this being great. So why am I telling you all this? Because it's great, and you guys should check it out if you got hundred bucks to blow on a mouse. But the um, the thing that really uh, amazed me about it though is how quickly, how like nearly immediately, I went back to feeling much more productive at getting around using this mouse rather than the touchpad. I still like the touchpad, you know, but like just the ability to right click is uh is it's so much faster than like control click or any of the other ways. Yes, I know there's a million ways to do it, but I don't know, it feels like coming home to 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 have a nice mouse. It's a really interesting thing. What do, what do you use on your desktop? I'm just using this the Apple Magic mouse and that's what I've been using like for years and the main reason is when I edit things in like, you know, Logic or something Having the little the ability to do the different gestures right on the mouse itself, um, yeah, maybe you hold right. down the option key and you can zoom in or zoom out, and all of, all of that stuff, of course, would be possible still with a uh, you know with with any kind of mouse. I would assume with a nice wheel on it. it. I find that it's just very convenient, and I've I've become habitually attached to the way that that particular mouse works. I will. I do not say I like it. I don't like it. And that's why I'm listening to you describe this one. I'm like, wow, I like it might be nice to like the mouse that I use. I don't, I don't like the aluminum keyboards, especially. I don't dislike them, but I don't like them. But that's what I've been using yeah. for years and years. And I kind of have the same relationship to the mouse that I've become used to these features that it has, but I'm not married to it. Yeah, the, the Magic Mouse is works better than I would expect. I mean, the, the fact that you can like, like my daughter was able to very quickly figure out that she, she's, um, that she can scroll with two fingers, mm-hmm. you know, which she's used to doing, um, on, uh, the trackpad. And she had no problem picking that up right away without even me ha- having to say that, Oh, that top area is also sensitive to, you know, touch gestures. But, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I guess it's something that some people do 
that I, I don't see myself doing right away, but I think is extremely interesting is actually, and Mike has talked about this, 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 uh, uh, famous YouTube guys talked about this is actually having three devices where you've got a mouse for your, your, you know, primary, um, dominant hand, you got your keyboard. And then on your non-dominant hand, you could actually have a touchpad, which is, I think a very interesting idea. I'm thinking for things like, like scrubbing for things like different kinds of gestures. It would be a a whole new thought technology, but I'm imagining for people who have to edit a lot, I could see that being extremely useful in certain circumstances. But anyway, I just want to mention that because it's not cheap, but like it amortizes very quickly. If you get faster at doing what you're doing, and I still prefer the keyboard for tons of stuff, but it's amazing to me after whatever couple of years of not using a mouse, how quickly it all kind of came back to me, you know. And like Syracuse, for example, is famously always talking about like how there's no device in his case for quickly getting somewhere on screen quite like a mouse, especially for video games and stuff. So I don't want to mention it. Uh, readers might be interested in that. There's a link to that in show notes. Uh, yeah, you should check it out. Check it out. I'll go there and I'll look at it. I'm not, I'm not opposed to trying something new if it's going to be better, but I don't know. I, I'm into this weird, I, and you know, we've got this big Apple event coming up. I get mm-hmm. guess tomorrow. Big stuff. Lots of big stuff coming out. And I used to get before an iPhone announcement or something, I would just get ra I would get frothy. You know, I'd be rabid. I'd be like, let me have the thing. How can I you place the order and give Apple my money and get this this thing. <laughs> hurry up and ha- hurry up and have the announcement so I can buy something. Yeah, and right. now I've become and I used to know people who were like, man, I don't know, I'll see about. I'm like, what's wrong with you? What are you talking about? Like, who are you know? And and now I've realized that like they were just not excited the way that I was about it, even though that didn't make sense to me then. And that's kind of how I I have become now. And people immediately make this association between, well, you must not like Apple or, oh, you I must, know. you must hate Apple. And I don't, I, I, I think Apple's fantastic and I like almost everything they make. And I still think they make pretty much the best stuff. Uh, but I, I am maybe probably not going to be buying the new iPhone that they announce tomorrow if they announce one. And I probably will be getting the new Apple TV if they announce one. Uh, but you know, it's, it's just such a different kind of a, kind of a thing that I find it more challenging to get excited about it in that in that way that I used to. Yeah. No, I, I know I know what you mean. Well I, I'm kind of excited about this one just because the rumors point to the kinds of announcements. It's not the announcement that excites me. It's what feels like the culmination of some half assed stuff getting pretty good. So anytime Apple goes, you know, and I think part of the reason we used to get so excited was, at least in my mind, in my memory, for a point in the mid two thousands, it felt like a pretty safe bet that whatever they came out with was going to be pretty solid yeah. and, and, and pretty great. And without getting into all the stuff that makes people mad at us, like I, I don't think that track, track record is anywhere near where it was. It's something people talk about in whisper tones now, where suddenly I'm not such the dingling I used to seem like, maybe. But like, there's a lot of half-assed stuff happening with Apple right now. And it's nice to see, because we believe in Apple and we like their products, I don't have any other choice, it's what I'm going to use. And it's encouraging to see them apparently making these things better. And that's that's exciting. Whether or not I buy it, I'm happy to see every company come up with something that's better. Uh, but sometimes it's come up with something that's cheaper. But anything that drives the industry to make more interesting things. When the industry is driven to do less interesting things based on price, that makes it less fun and interesting to watch. But I'm, I agree with you. I still really, really, really like my 5S. I'm having some really annoying problems with charging 
where like, again, I've, I've isolated the fact that I, I think there's probably something in there that's making it difficult to charge. Also, my battery life, it's finally, after these years, finally doing that thing where the battery life suddenly goes up or down in a way that seems improbably high and inaccurate. But it's still fine. It's still fine. I wish I had, I wish I had Apple Pay on the phone. That would be nice. But it's not, you know, like a huge barrier for me. It's not that inconvenient to like give people money. <laughs> right. To do something you've done for, you know, I don't yeah. know, 30 some years already. It's, it's, you know, that was the one thing that I really missed, you know, and, and my wife who has the six doesn't ever use that at all. And that was something that I think is really cool. I, I don't know if we've talked about it, but I did wind up when I made the decision that I was not going to be getting uh, a new iPhone this year that I was going to be sticking with the 5S. I thought it would be really interesting to try and, and experiment with the Apple Watch. I was very, very skeptical about the Apple Watch, but I decided that I would get one and try it. And I did. And the Apple Pay thing is a very kind of neat little well, wait, thing. But, you, so you, but you can't do that with your 5S, can you? You, if you have the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch allows you to have Apple Pay even with a 5S. It, oh, it, that's it, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that the Apple Watch and the 6s give you that. And I'm assuming whatever they announce tomorrow will continue the trend of having mm-hmm. that feature. But yeah, the, so it's, it's kind of neat. You go to Trader Joe's and you, you buy the partially popped popcorn and then you can just hold your wrist up to the little thing and it beeps and it taps your wrist <laughs> and then you can leave. I love the idea of buying partially popped popcorn with an Apple Watch. Have you have you tried the partially popped popcorn? I've never heard of that till just now. OMG, please go and try this. I will try this. This is a life this is a game changer. This is a life hack. It's a thought technology. It's a thought, yes. You have the a lot of Trader Joe's in San Francisco, right? Trader Joe's. Yeah, we got them everywhere. We got them. We're lousy with Trader Joe's. We got one just down the street from Go us. pick up one of those partially popped popcorns if you if you don't like it i'll buy the remainder from you that's nice of you thank you um okay i might do that um i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go ahead and invoice you for popcorn now just preemptively it's a (laughs) pre-order it ships in october you know i've been been yakking for so long why don't you tell me about something that you like oh let me tell you about all the great sponsors back blaze wow back blaze back blaze is an online backup for pretty much everything that you have. Documents, sure. Music, okay. Photos, that's the big one. Videos, pretty much everything can be backed up with Backblaze. And the way that this works is it, it, it lives on the internet. Your backups live on the internet and the backups happen without you having to plug drives in. None of that nonsense. And it happens all the time. It happens in the background. So you, you install Backblaze on your computer, Mac, PC, and you kind of forget about it. And in the background, when you're not busy doing other things like working or playing games or whatever, when the CPU resources are free, it starts backing up all in the background. It all happens, copies it way up there. Over 150 petabytes of data they have backed up for their, for their customers. And uh, you know that's because for most people, like backing up, you, they don't do it. They just don't do it. Mm-hmm. because they don't want to be troubled. And, you know, even even so, even just plugging in a spare hard drive or starting a process like this, it it's an easy thing to do. People just don't, they don't remember. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to worry about it. Okay, but 
Backblaze, they take that all away by doing it all automatically. Okay, so you go out, you take some pictures, you sync up your phone, whatever, you, you download them. Now they're on your computer. You're like, all right, I, gotta, I guess I got to go back those up somewhere. You don't have to go back them up. It does it for you all behind the scenes, all in secret, essentially. And it is a native application and yes you can put people say well it won't back up my external drive sure of course it will you plug in your external done and the way that this works and this is the amazing thing this is the the part that i had to reread to make sure that it was right it's just five dollars per month per computer for unlimited unthrottled backup that's kind of crazy that is an amazing deal. And they have a special uh, URL set up at backblaze.com slash back to work spelled out. And you will get a no risk free two week trial so that you can go and install it, try it out, let the backup go. And then something terrible happens. You're safe. You don't have to worry about it. I love it. All automated native clients. Best thing. Backblaze.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Merlin. Nice to have them uh, back with us. That's exciting. Back blaze back with us on back to work. Nice. They're going to have to run with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're just an idea, man. That's all. Oh, God, we got a lot here. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I got hard out. Hard out in... Uh, we got plenty of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's an adequate amount of time. Got a new mouse. <laughs> Hank Johnson, agent of Hydra. Uh-huh. Have you seen that yet? No. I have. Do you have a Hulk like that? Up so there, Hulk? like in one of your fancy in the comic I mean, story. What, what are you talking? What are you talking about? I'm just thinking back to this. You commented at my little girl oh, oh, oh. running around the Hulk. No, no, no. I, I don't. We don't. Not that I know of. You that looks like a very special Hulk. That's a big Hulk. She she can hardly get his arms around around uh, the guy's legs. She's, yeah, he's got thick thighs. Big, he sure does. He's he's very well developed. He's yeah. sinewy. Yeah, and her, he his eyes are very realistic. I don't know if they used like actual like prosthetic eyes or something, what they did, but the eyes are very real looking and the intensity of the expression on his face is he's got this vicious expression on his face for a very long time. Both of my kids refused to go near the Hulk. We're, we're afraid to touch him. We're mm-hmm. afraid to be near him. And I'd say, just stand there and let me take a picture. No. And they would go flying through the store. It's scary. We should explain that what this is. It's a, what probably seven feet tall? Okay, well, Chewie's seven feet tall. I think this is more like an eight footer, like uh, a a figure of the Hulk that is, you know, bigger than human sized. It's really cool. And is I, it Austin Books and Comics? Austin Books and Comics, in sort of the center of the store, it divides between where they keep the new books and the back issues that are already bagged and boarded for you. He's protecting them. Yeah, and they have a Silver Surfer hanging from the ceiling. Oh, I love that guy. Norrin Rad. So what's this thing you're talking about that I should see? Oh, this is just, this is really fun. I think it's a one-off. It's called Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. And it's, so, um, you know, this, hopefully this will make people aware of uh, Jim Stranko's wonderful uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the 60s, which is just an amazing comic, a, like kind of a groundbreaking comic. The story goes that Stranko handed in some of his pages for this, and there were like four pages in a row with this this cool, like, I think it was an eight-panel grid, had no dialogue on it. Very, very famous in retrospect. And they were like, we, we can't print this. There's no words on here. But now it's like one of the most famous uh, series of pages ever. Um, anyway, Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, is a very uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye-esque comic in some ways. Hank Johnson, 
<laughs> not no spoilers, but if you, anybody who's seen the beginning of Nick Agent of Shield knows that he he knocks off a, he kills a, a Hydra agent and knocks another one out. Um, Hank Johnson is the Hydra agent that he knocked out, and it's the story of like Hank Hank Johnson, agent of Hydra's life at home with his family and uh-huh. his kids, his <laughs> wife and kids, and it's really funny. It's 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 very fun, and uh, I just thought I'd recommend it because it's it, it's joyful. I don't, I'm not reading that many things right now. I'm not reading that many things. I feel bad, but I'm not re- really reading anything. I'm going to wait till the dust settles a little bit on all this Marvel stuff, mm. and then figure out you know what I can pick through and catch up on. A lot of people I know really like Secret Wars, so I'll probably get to that once it's out. In, do not uh, say trade. do not say anything negative about Secret Wars. That's my you like advice. it. No, but oh, do not do not say anything negative about it, even if you think it's the worst thing ever written. It mm. is a bad idea to. to Speak negatively. A little, little, little sensitive. People, people have been uh, getting mad when you get mad. They, yeah, they don't like it if you say anything against it. I, I didn't enjoy it. I dropped out of it, and now that makes me a bad person, I think. John, people have strong feelings about comics, but I think Jonathan Hickman in particular makes people feel very strongly about comics. His, uh, there's something about him that brings out strong feelings in people. Like that was a similar thing happened with his Fantastic Four run, where yeah, some people thought yeah. it was like one of the greatest things ever, and other people just found it. You know, he cer- certainly has a certain uh, has a certain style. There um, are, and that's the thing. I think that I've just become kind of picky about the kind because I used to read everything, like voraciously everything, Marvel, DC, independent stuff. I didn't care. I would just go and oh the cover looks cool on this one or oh my buddy said this one was good i should check it out and i would just get it I'd get read it I'd get into it and then as things just got busier and busier and we had another kid and all this stuff uh that they kind of absorbed that free time and then the kids get older and they they don't just nap and they they want to talk to you and things like that i just found right. i wasn't able to spend as much time doing it so i became much much more selective and even the titles that i used to follow and read uh, very, very loyally, I've even fallen out with those things as well. And, uh, and that's kind of a shame. And I don't know. Now I feel like everything, I don't know. Like, this is so funny, but like when you find everything has kind of changed and you're like, wow, how do I get back into this now? Everything's a right, little bit right. different. And the challenge of figuring out what's changed doesn't especially appeal to me. And yes, I agree that there were some, Things that had become boring and that it's good to reboot things once in a while. I loved, I loved the new 52 reboot that DC did. I thought that was fantastic. Well, they had four, they had four or five, I think, unimpeachably great things like straight out of the box. Yeah. The Batman Batman stuff's just amazing. Yes. And I don't, I I want to go into the Marvel world with uh, as open a mind as I can and like things that, you know, Miles Morales as Spider-Man, like, that doesn't bother me at all. I have no problem with completely reinventing. God, that's it. I mean, like, of all the things that could bother you in the Marvel Universe, I mean, that seems like, the, I, that's the one I find most perplexing, that people would find <laughs> that so troubling. And is it because they think Peter Parker should only be the only Spider-Man person ever? I think that is the primary objection that that. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. You can't go and change that. But it's okay to change Thor. It's just not okay to change Spider-Man for some reason. And You're I, ruining their childhood. Right. It just You want to do another spider Come out with a different spider character. Well, they've done that. They've done that over and over and over again. And what they're doing is they're retelling it. They're reinventing it. I can't tell you how many times 
they have retold the Spider-Man story, retold the origin story in, in slightly different ways and in many cases better ways. The movies also tell different versions of it. I don't know. I, I don't have any problem at all with them deciding that we're going to complete. We're not just going to say, oh, it wasn't a radioactive spider. It was a genetically modified spider. Like, that's cool. Like, do that. That's not a big deal. But I think people's reaction to wait a minute. It's not Peter Parker anymore. You know, yeah. that it's not so much that he is, uh, you know, um, a, a, a mixed race minority kid. That's not the, the 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 thing I think people have problem with, which is what I think gets the attention of. Well, you don't like it because he's just not a, you know, a yeah, white that's, kid. that's probably a straw man. But I mean, everybody gets a certain amount of fatigue about like, oh, you're changing this again. And it's I think sometimes it is people being. Well, I don't, I don't want to say what it is, but I mean, listen to us. I mean, part of our frustration is that like, just when we think we're getting what's going on, you step away for a couple of months and everything's changed. And, and, and it feels like what happened to all those other storylines? What happened to this thing you introduced in issue one that you didn't talk about by the end of issue five? Like, it's really kind of strange. And I, part of the thing is also like, you know, the, as I understand, my understanding of the economics of comics is not super detailed, but Mm -hmm. it's my understanding that the way comics works is still pretty similar to how it's been for, for perhaps decades, which is that the the big two um, have some people on staff, but some people they hire. They don't pay them extremely well. You get an amount per page. They put out that comic. If it sells really well, they keep putting it out. And then in this case, Diamond uh, distributes those to all the comic stores. And if people buy lots of your comic in a store, you can keep making it for a while. It's not super complicated, but it does depend very, very heavily on people buying individual comic issues within a couple weeks of when they came out at a comic book store. And I, I mean, it's, feel free to dispute that, but I think the pie graphs will show you that like digital is still kind of a blip, especially not just in terms of money, but in terms of decision making. Like everybody I know who makes comics says the same thing. If you want this comic to stay alive, pre-order it. That is the only way this comic can be even like potentially, not even guaranteed. Right. The only way it has a future is for is for the comic shop to pre-order this. Diamond knows it's popular. Marvel knows it's popular. And it's a reason to keep making it. And if you fall short of that, it doesn't take much to fall short of that and have a comic go away or need to be quote unquote rebooted. And the thing is, that's 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 a very difficult economy for a lot of people, for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, not that many of us can, not that many people, even people who love comics, can afford either with time or money to go and buy everything they want within a week or two of it coming out. So it's just strange because like that's the only way this market can survive in the way that it exists right now is with this old model, which is not sustainable in some ways. It's, it, you know, it, so for people like me, I have become a fan of trade waiting. Like, I, to be honest, if it'll show up eventually on Marvel Unlimited, I might wait that long and have it all at one time, or I'll wait again until the trade comes out or right. until the omnibus comes out or whatever. Cause I, I, I do like owning it. I like paying for it, but like I, I, it's become difficult both money wise and time wise to go and do that every week. So like I've fallen out of their primary demographic. I'm no longer a tastemaker in comics because I'm right. not paying for them every week. Right. And then, so you add to that. And I told you this anecdote half a dozen times, but it's still so funny. Probably it was, no more than a year and a half or two years ago, I was at the comic store at Two Cats, West Portal Avenue. And, uh, and this guy comes in, he's just kind of wandering around. And the owner of the store, the primary owner, Christian says, Hey, is there anything uh, I can help you find or make suggestions? He goes, Yeah. You know, I used to really be into comics and I haven't read them for a really long time. And he goes, Oh, what's the last thing you read? He goes, New 52. <laughs> 
So what was that? That was what, maybe three, four years three, ago? Yeah, three and a half, four. So it had been maybe 16 months since New 52 came out and he was already so bewildered he didn't even know where to begin. So I don't, I, I don't know what the answer or what the future is. Uh, but like I am, I have just as a halfway savvy consumer, meaning like I have to spend dollars on these things, like I'm happy to wait to see how the dust settles and then in retrospect go like, okay, these are the can't miss things to pick up and trade or to read on comiXology or something. But like I look at these big white boxes lining the sides of my office here and go like, I, I don't go back and look at the Marvel Now Avengers issue eight or whatever. I don't go back and look at that floppy anymore. Like <laughs> it's, it was fun to do. I really enjoyed it. I love the ritual of it, but it's absolutely not sustainable. But it, that, that's, that's what would have to, I think, that's what ha, would have to sustain to keep this industry going. So I don't know. It's, I, 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 I can see why they have to sort of cater to the people who will do that. It's just, it's strange. It's strange. I don't uh, know. And now, uh, as a tangent, yeah. are you buying, when you talk about buying the trades and things like that, are you getting them through like Comixology on your iPad? Are you buying the physical books from your local comic shop? What do you do? It varies so much, and really? I, I feel I feel disloyal to to talk about it this way. But there's a certain there's a cascade where, like, for example, if I'm at the comic shop, like if I'm there for the meetup or I'm there with my daughter, I will almost certainly pick up things they recommend. Um, and not just pity, but like I, I want to support the store. I'm happy to pick up stuff. I buy when I'm going to buy something for my daughter as often as I can. I buy it at the comic store. So if it's a new Adventure Time thing or a Lumberjanes trade or something like that, I or an Oz book. Right. See to the space girl. Like I, I will buy those at the store anytime I can. Buy a shirt, buy all that kind of stuff. Um, but the cascade is like if it's something I fell behind on a little bit, where I'm a little bit behind, and there's a recent trade that'll bring me up to date, I'll buy that frequently. And I'll have that hard copy, you know, trade. Um, sometimes if it's something that I hear about that I'm, I'm super excited about and I want to look at it now, uh, that's fairly recent, I'll buy it on Comixology and trade. Not a great deal. It's not you you know it's kind of it's the same price pretty much as the store i think which seems a little bit weak uh if it's something that's like over 6 months old i'm going to read it on marvel unlimited yeah i mean i don't need more funny books in my office like i've <laughs> i've i've got like enough but you know in some cases like when i got really into transmetropolitan or really into why the last man or you know any of those uh i'll go out and i'll buy buy my you know buy some trades of those, buy three trades of those because I know I'm going to want to read it, you know? Uh, in the case of Saga, I mean, they frequently, at our store, they say, well, why don't you just go ahead and buy the first three right now because you're really going to want to read all of these. It's, it's happened enough that people come back the day after they bought the first Saga trade. <laughs> They're like, give me the next one, give me the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but the, then finally, and I want to hear your, your, how you do this too, but the next one for me is the library. Uh, I was recently uh, on a, recorded a podcast called Circulating Ideas. I think it comes out in a couple of weeks, but I talked a lot about how I just love the library. Um, and for us, a lot of that is getting trade paperbacks from the library. You know, my, my daughter is free to walk in and just pick up anything she wants and we walk out with it. Yeah. Does that support, you know, the creators at Marvel and DC? Probably not, but that's the cascade. I just, there was a time when I was spending dozens of dollars a week on comics and I just, that's, that's just too much money. I can't do that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's my cascade. My general cascade is if it's something I really like, I'm not buying anything in floppies every week now. I do buy trades uh, as often as I can and can afford to at the comic store. Some stuff on Comixology. I really like Marvel Unlimited. It's come such a long way. 
and has really overtaken Comixology. I have so much money sunk into Comixology, it would make your head spin. But, you know, the, the, not having that ability to buy in the app is a pain. But, you know, Marvel Unlimited, it looks pretty good. I'm online most of the time. I can just go read something from 1972, you know, mm-hmm. on the iPad, and yeah. it looks great. Well, how about you? Well, you know, like I was saying, I feel bad because I don't really read that much stuff anymore. And they had this big Labor Day event that they always have every year at Austin Books and Comics. And there was one year, I think the first year that I was in town here, and I had never seen a store like, we're totally spoiled in Austin with Austin Books and Comics. I mean, it, it just just for the record, it is one of the best comic stores I've ever been to. It might not be the very biggest, but it's just, it, it has that great feeling. They've got new stuff. They've got old stuff. They've got a big Hulk. They've got toys. They've got, I mean, it, it, but it's not overwhelming. It's a very Austin kind of store in the best possible way. And I love going in there. And there was one year where I just, I had a ton of, as, as I've mentioned, I have every Usagi Yojimbo book that's ever been created, including Albedo number two, first appearance, you name it. And there were a handful that I was missing and it was really, you know, it was really tough to find them. So I waited and they had this, uh, this big event, this Labor Day event. And I went in there and I was able to get all the back issues of it. And they, they really discount them and you can get trades. I got a bunch of trades for friends and things like that. But as far as like the ongoing stuff, I have completely gone digital for everything. So if it's like something new that's coming out, I will buy it digitally nine times out of 10. And that's true for books as well, because I find that, you know, I've got the Kindle Paperwhite, I guess it's a couple of years old and reading stuff on that. It's just so much easier. It's so much simpler. The battery lasts forever, especially if you turn off the Wi-Fi. and, you know, I'll buy books on that. And so my philosophy of going from when I buy something physical to when I buy something that is um, that is purely digital, it's more like, is it new? Is it current? Is it something that I'm going to read once or is it something I, I want to keep and cherish? And I still support those because, you know, you talk about buying a T-shirt, like we'll go and buy T-shirts. There's They've got a, a store with the really cool vinyl stuff in it. We'll get those. They've got, um, you know, like this other store, Outlaw Moon, that has like all kinds of games or role-playing games and uh, vintage toys from the 80s that my kid has become so obsessed with. So we'll go and buy stuff there. So like, I feel like I'm still supporting the shows, but I'm just, <laughs> the shows, the stores, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm not supporting them in the way that I used to by going every week and picking up what was on my pull list and sitting down and very carefully reading the the comics and then bagging them and boarding them. And I feel like part of that is growing up, I was under the impression that was occasionally right that getting those books, treating them carefully, enjoying them and then handling them carefully and then bagging and boarding them, that this was a, even in a small way, some kind of investment mm-hmm. that I was, that this book that I got right now, which didn't seem especially important to me right now in a few years might turn out to be like first appearance of this character, or this was a turning point here that makes it valuable or makes it important or, and they, and they became aware of that. Yeah. Very aware of that. <laughs> it's a new number one. Right. And I don't know. So back then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saving, right. Or at least I'm getting, it's like almost like, you know, taking your bottles in and getting it, you know, one cent per bottle or something. It was almost like, I know there's some value 
tied up in these books that I might take 50 of them in that I paid, you know, two or three bucks for each and I might get a quarter or 10 cents back each or something would come back. So I like, and I enjoyed the whole process. And as I've gotten older and kind of had this philosophy of trying to shed the things that I own, I want to own fewer things. I want to enjoy content, but I can enjoy that same content now without the burden of having a physical object that I need to move around and carry and shuffle around and be concerned about if there's a humidity issue or a fire or whatever, (laughs) you know, that those things just are, they're gone and I don't have to worry about it. And so I make, there are some exceptions that I make to, to, to that. Again, if it's something that's like, this is a collector's thing and I want it and I know I'll read it more than once and my kid might one day want to read it uh, or it's just such a beautifully put together book, I might get it. But otherwise I'm trying to be all digital and I'm trying to do that too with like books that I read. Like the last time that I bought, well, I should say, we're starting to read the Harry Potter books now. And everybody has assured me that I, I, I should get the, the paper books for the Harry Potter stuff because I will enjoy reading it uh, my, to my kids. The kids will then go on and potentially read it or reread it again later. I have two kids. So I'll get the physical manifestation of these books. And I did. And I bought this big box set that comes that's, I like think that's, I think that's pretty good advice. Okay. Good. I, well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, and uh, so I got it in like a, ch- it came in like a chest. It yeah, like has yeah. a chest. You can put stickers on the chest that it comes with. It's like, you know, so that was an exception, but most of the stuff I've been getting, even when, you know, for nighttime reading stuff that I read with my son, we've been reading on the Kindle and it's, it's been really great. Like I, instead of, a new book and figuring out where to put it and waiting for it to be delivered. It's like, what book do you want to read next? That one got it. Now let's start reading. So convenient. And it's really horrible. I would think for bookstores as we know, and also for comic stores and other things like that. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're witnessing the slow end of, of an industry that's been around for so long. Yep. Yep. I think we're going through a very strange, um, Transition period. It's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be awkward. And you know, maybe in, in a similar way. I don't know. I mean, you know, we feel so modern to say, "Oh, it's going to be like uh, the Napster age." And who knows what it's going to be like? Like, <laughs> technology is not frozen in 1999. Like, everything is constantly changing. The cultural stuff is changing. Like, so many things change. So many different things. It's really difficult to know. Um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, having Marvel owned by Disney definitely makes it interesting having dc owned by warner you know makes it very interesting because um i don't know i think it's on the one hand gratifying to know that there can be a home for those things but it's also kind of mm, freaky slash scary to realize how much decision making at some point is going to move further and further up the ladder about maybe some minor character that you really love well you know i don't want to be doom and gloom but you never know i mean maybe there's no place for captain marvel because you know who's going to want to ride about a girl like who knows like that what kind of thinking ends up you start with the vision of the creators or the vision of the artists and writers and the further you go up the chain the more business decisions there have to be understandably um and i just i hope that i hope it all just stays interesting and weird i i you know i got i got a feeling you're going to see a pretty big diaspora from the big two in the next few years. I just got a feeling as, you know, which is good because it makes room for newer people to come in who are willing to go by their terms, but you know, we'll see. We're running a little bit long here. Did you, um, did you want to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about just works. If you want to grow your business and not your busy work, use just works. 
they take care of pretty much everything that relates to benefits, that relates to payroll and HR. And this is a really, really cool website. It was created by entrepreneurs for people who are running their own businesses because it's hard enough to just run your own business. Like every little detail that you have to, to do every day, add on top of that, oh, medical vision and dental insurance and a 401k and you know the commuter benefits. I don't even know what a commuter benefit is, but like they handle all of this stuff. They'll set up direct deposit, payroll for you, reporting, one-off payments. All of this stuff is built in and they even have these really cool HR tools. Like you'll get that professional company dashboard with a calendar and like an HR concierge and a document center so you can upload the paperwork. And I mean, it, like it's all just done and it saves so much time. And ask anybody who runs their own business, small, medium-sized business, what's the least favorite thing you have about your job? And like, it's always going to come down to this kind of thing because very few people enjoy it. Very few people specialize in like, oh, I want to, you know, focus on EP, EPLI compliance and, uh, you know, unemployment insurance. That's like that. me. That's me every day. Every day. <laughs> right. You sit down mm-hmm. and like, let's just go over it one more time. Just EPLI. read it again. This is what they do. And they take the, the tedious, time consuming part of your job and they make it the simplest, most automated part of your day. They're offering our listeners 15% off your first year. And it only takes three minutes to sign up. So go to justworks.com slash back to work spelled out the URL again, justworks.com slash back to work. The code back to work will save you 15% off your first year. Thank you so much to just works for making this show possible. Buck, buck. Um, you know, I have this topic. It feels a little flimsy, but I figure I'll, uh, I'll address it. Can right. I uh, jump in? Yeah. I mean, All right. Your show. Whatever. Wow. 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 Oh, that reminds me. Did you want to promote your thing this week? Yeah, well, it's not it's not my thing. It's uh, it's the thing for all podcasters. I'm sorry, Dan. Did you have anything? You... God <laughs> Almighty! It's like pushing a rope. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week is XOXO. It takes place in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I'm going to be there. This is the first year I won't be attending talks. Uh, I figured like it was only fair to let some other people get that slot, so I'm doing festival passes this year. And one of the cool things that's going on besides uh, that thing that Merlin is doing on Friday is before the thing that Merlin is doing on Friday, I think it starts at four at a, a, a bar called There Be Monsters hmm. is a podcasters meetup. So all the folks who are going to be at XOXO who are into podcasting or interested in podcasting or podcast listeners are going to be there. That includes the Relay folks and, uh, and, and I will be there. I think John Roderick may uh, attend it. I don't know if you can because I know you have a big thing after and you know you 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 got to prepare for that but who knows. And uh this is that's it. So please everyone if you're in that area or feel like driving down, we'll be hanging out there and uh go check us out. I think that's uh, 4 to what time is your thing? Uh 6, 5? What? The Thing? Oh, I think yeah. it's at eight. At eight, I think. I'm not sure. Well, anyway, go check it out, and and you yeah, don't... check it out. Go to the, go to the podcast meetup. There's gonna be podcasters there. Podcasters just walking you know, around, holding our yeah, wall. Just... We'll all bring our microphones. We'll all bring our preamps. <laughs> Nine hundred dollar you know. preamp. Yeah, just put it, carry it around. Ah, <sighs> crazy days. Yeah, please go. And uh, was there a link to that you could put into notes? I will put a link into that for more information. Put a link in for notes. Doing XO, it, doing it now. XO, 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 Portland. XO, XO. I'm very excited about that. Are you That's in the talks? Cool. Are you going to see any of the talks? I don't know. I um, <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't like going places. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll be at stuff, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the palpable uh, enthusiasm. It's great. It's uh, it's great. No, no, it's it's going to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I do know. It d- disrupts the pickup schedule. No, I know. You know, everything know. gets disrupted. I know. Anyway, yeah, I'll be, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm terrible at this, aren't I? No, oh you're my God, it's supposed to be, I'm supposed to be really excited. Well, they, you're um, not like a promotional. Free hugs. <laughs> Make sure to tag my Instagram with. No, oh, you'll like, just go and enjoy yourself for crying right. out I'm loud. Good. Oh, I am. I'm not worried about that. I just, I, 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 I believe in under committing. I, yeah. I, oh, too much in the past and it's like i i will be places i think but like you know inevitably <laughs> it starts out so simple this is the problem it starts out as simple as going hey do you want to get coffee at uh you know there be dragons and you go sure i'm not made of stone i like coffee i'll get coffee with you at there there be dragons but then i find out that no i'm actually supposed to be this there's this other thing and somebody expected i'd be there and there's gonna be this dinner with somebody i see once every five years and it's like i've just learned to become really parsimonious about my commitments because sometimes i'm tired and sometimes i just want to be with two people and like that's bad on me but <laughs> like you know i just i want to be energetic and i want to be on but i also have to account for my emotional reservoir yes for sure Mm-hmm. By the way, Bob Chapman and Raj Sisodia are available for interviews. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> Our emails suck. <laughs> no, I th- it's I, so I, great. I want to know, know who got our email address on these lists. I'm going to find out. I'm going to find you. <laughs> and I'm going to offer to be on so many of your podcasts. Oh, my God. The CEO is available has limited availability to be on your podcast. It's like, you have no idea how limited the availability is. The availability is nil. Null availability. Yeah. Returns empty set. Yeah. John Syracusa. Uh, yep. So anyway, I'll be there handing out t-shirts and bumper stickers. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah, I hear that. It's really laying down some rug. Is it next door to you? I can't say. No, it's uh, it's in the in the hallway, the the stairwell near where I am. You hear that? Yes. He's really going out at hammer and tongs, isn't he? Um, uh, so here's I I I'm not sure how much of a topic this is, but I. So anyway, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago. I'm trying to remember the context for this, but a few weeks ago I had mentioned how I sometimes uh will be getting keyed up about something. And <laughs> I have this phrase that I've started saying to myself sometimes. And you know, you want to know what I say to myself? What? I say, slow your roll. Yeah, slow your roll. You mentioned that before. Um, I'm not sure how unique and special this is, but it's been very useful for me. And uh, so the background on this is we've got some links you can go find on Urban Dictionary. Apparently, this is a hippie hoppy rappy rap term. And it would used often, I guess I first heard John Roderick use it. And John Roderick used it, I think, in the canonical rap sense of like when somebody steps to you, like somebody comes up and they're being very aggressive, you might want to say to that person, hey, slow your roll. Like you are being too aggressive. You are, and I think with the consequence being like, don't get in my face or there's going to be problems. You need to slow your roll. And I don't know why, but that phrase, it's a very, you know, a lively phrase that kind of stuck in my head. And uh, I started, I started noticing if you've listened to the show in the last you know four or five months, you know that I, I think a lot or, or worry a lot about things like worry and anxiety. That I think a lot about like the voices, 
when I say voices in my head, I don't mean in sort of a schizophrenic sense, but in the sense of like the sort of negative self-talk or I think you and I have talked a lot in the past about how, tell me if you agree or disagree, but how easily you can start out with something that seems like a very innocuous thought or a very innocuous feeling, which is just a thing in the world. Like I need to buy milk and like how impossibly fast you can go from most innocuous thought in the world to like, I'm going to die mm-hmm. or like, I'm going to like something catastrophic is going to happen to me that I have absolutely no control over or ability to change. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, absolutely. Have you you've had this right for sure? Yeah, we haven't talked a super lot about the nature of your previous anxieties, but I've talked a lot about mine. And and one of those things is what I can just describe as a rapidly accelerating chain of thoughts. And if you think about like this initiating thought as being sort of at the center of what, what ends up being a circle, like you start out with something like seemingly simple. And in the way that it works is like that thought leads to another thought or another feeling. And that leads to another thought that has a certain feeling. But each one of those has this additive quality or maybe even multiplicative kind of geometric quality of like you take this thing and you go like you do like you kind of make a rain, rain man sound. You kind of go, oh boy. <laughs> You ever do that? Yeah. Or in my case, my, my sound for a long time was, hmm. I'd kind of make this Dustin Hoffman graduate sound where I'd go like, hmm. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh, something just came into my brain that is a little too much and I just had a little buffer overrun. Like, oh, this is not good. Does that sound familiar? I don't want to get too specific because it's different for everybody. But have you ever had that where you, like something comes along? And I think the thing that typifies this is for what I'm assuming is a normal or healthy person, you have a thought or an emotion and you go, ugh. That's a bummer. Like, I don't want to do jury duty. Right. That's pain. But most, I suspect, many or most healthy people can then say, oh, now I'll just resume what I was doing before. But if you're somebody like me who is an anxious person, I've come to realize it's not unusual at all to like, what, the phrase I use, you find yourself. You, you, you at first find yourself having had a thought, and then you find yourself a few minutes later, like practically quivering. And going like, wow, well, how did I get to this place where I'm catastrophizing my entire life and everything is going to fall apart? Does that sound familiar? Gosh, I mean, yeah, I guess so. It's, it, it has to do with like that spiraling, doesn't it? It almost sounds like that's what the word I would use for it is spiraling. Spiraling or, or a kind of feedback. Well, let's, let's think of something. I'm trying to keep this abstract, but uh, to, to make it a little bit specific, like if you, you think of a thought, Again, I always think of Ray Romano when he was on Dr. Katz, and I'll, I'll try and find the video for this, but talking about how his daughter, he says to his daughter, Alexander, what are you, what are you thinking about? And then she goes, candy. <laughs> he goes, when was the last time you just sat around and thought about candy? And I'll get the quote wrong, but it's something like, oh, candy, candy, sweet diabetes. Oh, I got to get cancer. Like how you, how you so very quickly, you like that you have this initiating thought and that thought has a little emotion associated with it. So I think this starts with feeling a negative emotion and if you're in the wrong state of mind habitually, I think one can tend to then look for a thought that will feed into that emotion further. So if you think about like being scared of something, whether that's fireworks or crossing the street or whatever, there's a certain kind of purity to a fear that is just a thing in itself, which mm. is I'm scared of crossing the road because I don't want to get hit by the car by a car. Right. But I know that like once I get across here, I won't have that fear anymore. I won't have any residual effects. There won't be any midichlorians of having crossed the road that are going to trouble me for the rest of the day. But I think the habitually poor thinker will allow those things to accumulate and build up and build up till it becomes almost um, intolerable. And it, it can make for a, a very unhappy way of thinking about things. 
So I don't know. I'm going to trust it to the listener to say, like, you, you can decide for yourself if these are things in your life. But I've had this, my own kind of version of, of thought stopping recently that's become, I think, a little bit useful. And that phrase goes through my head, slow your roll. Where I'll just be, I'll be sitting there and like something incredibly normal will happen. And you know what? This could have, this could be annoyances. You can have annoyances, the compound where you go from, like, for example, last night I was watching the uh, Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. So, you know, take for example, it's as simple as George has to go use the payphone to call Tatiana to say that we're at the Chinese restaurant and would you come meet us there? And he, as soon as he walks over, a guy walks up and picks up the phone before him. And so George is just merely kind of annoyed, right? But it keeps escalating and escalating. And you could see George talking himself, a classic George Costanza moment. You could see him talking himself into getting more and more agitated where it's no longer about a, it's no longer about a payphone in a Chinese restaurant, but he finally ends up yelling the classic line, you know, we're living in a society. And so it's gone from he's annoyed because he can't use the cell phone to now it's a statement about society. And he's asking if George, or he ask, George asks, asks Jerry if, if he'll have his back if he ends up getting in a fist fight with this guy, <laughs> which I think is such a common human condition. So I'm just making a case for saying like it's, it, it's so valuable to be aware that those things can happen and to watch for them when they come along. And I like that phrase, slow your roll. So who am I saying that to? I am saying that to facets of myself. Because if somebody came up to you and didn't know how aggressive they were being, like let's say somebody comes up to you and it's somebody you know and they're very harried and they're very anxious and they say something to you that ends up coming across very aggressive, you might say to them, hey, you know, slow your roll. As in like, you know, you need to relax a little bit and not make this, not push this thing onto me. And that can be a very sobering thing. However you say that for somebody to go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm having a really stressful day. I did not mean to take that out on you. I did not mean to, um, you know, act like this is your fault. It's right. something we, I think a lot of us do a lot of the time. So when I find myself saying, hey, wait a minute, slow your roll, I am saying that to myself, but I'm saying that to the aspect of myself that is being like George Costanza. I am saying that to the aspect of myself that is trying to push something onto me and make it my fault, even though it's me that I'm talking about. Because I think that duality exists. I think there's the you that walks around and feels like a really normal person who, you know, buys milk and pays the electric bill. And then there's this other part of you that may constantly be trying to turn you into another person or trying to kind of push you into a certain kind of mentality. And I don't know why, but that phrase has become very useful to me as a way to go, say to that aggressive side of myself, you just need to slow down. And something funny happens. This happens, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you're like really anxious for no reason? Yeah. I get that. I I get that. that. I get up, I, you know, it's like, it's, it's like you were just coming up out of a dream and in the dream, something terrible must've been happening, but you don't remember the dream at all. I, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And another aspect of this is something like you hear people talk about trigger warnings, but what is a trigger warning? A trigger warning is when, when there are certain kinds of topics that uh, we can mostly agree have caused trauma for people in the past, maybe to the point of causing PTSD, to where they may, like for example, I have to say, I was telling my family the other day, my, my father who served in Korea could not be around fireworks. I was right. praising and saying like, you handled that really well. I was scared of fireworks as a kid because my dad had what was then called shell shock or what was later called PTSD because he'd been in some frontline battles and nearly died a few times in Korea. He could not be anywhere around explosions. 
for the rest of his life. And he, they thought he was a loon. They didn't have a name like PTSD for what he had. But I don't want to say that got passed on to me, but I saw how my dad reacted to that. So I couldn't be around fireworks. I hated it because I was uh, sort of inheriting his anxiety in that way. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think it becomes useful, first of all, to acknowledge that that's happening and to go like, whoa, this is going places I didn't expect. And then to be circumspect about going like, let's just slow this whole thing down. How is it I woke up at 3.30 in the morning to take a leak and now I feel like I'm just going to explode? Like, I, I think a lot of people suffer from that, especially people with insomnia. You hear people talk about how insomnia has attended to it, like certain kinds of like expanding like anxieties and fears about like how the world is wrong to you and how you've wronged the world. And that's like a pretty common thing that people don't always talk about. So part one of this, I want to hear about something you like, but part one of this is to just become aware that like you have an ability to be aware of when these things are happening and then to have a role in what happens next. This is some really good like elementary school uh, <laughs> cognitive therapy I want to share. But I want to hear about, uh, I think we used to have a couple more sponsors, right? Yeah, we do. I'm talking about something you like. Let me tell you about Wealthfront. They are a low-cost automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. They work 24-7 to manage your portfolio. They keep it diversified. All of this is customized to your risk profile. What that basically means is when you sign up, you tell them like how risk-averse you are or how aggressive you want to invest your money. And usually that's tied to age. It might also be tied to like how much money you feel like investing. They will take this profile and use it to decide how to invest your money. Of course, you can change it at any time that you want. But this is the thing. When you're starting out, you're like, you know what? Let, let's put a little bit of money out there. People always say I should invest, right? And then you get a little bit older and you're like, man, I, I guess I should have invested a long time ago. And then finally, you're like, man, I want to retire soon. And I didn't invest right. Don't let that happen to you. They make it so easy for you to just go and take a thousand bucks or more and and put it in and not worry about it. You can just check it out on their website and see what's going on. They use the best software. They use the best algorithms behind the scenes. And this is based on on science. This is based on really, really smart folks coming together and, uh, and, and building this software for you. It's just amazing. Whether you're investing for retirement or a different long-term goal, they're going to rebalance your portfolio, reinvest your dividends, and they do this all. Here's the best part. It's all commission-free. They do it in ways that will prevent you from uh, raising your taxes. All of this stuff, it's just built in. Stuff that used to be only accessible to like the fuddy-duddies in, in suits on, uh, up on Wall Street or wherever. Not a problem. It's all here for you right now. And they're, they're the real deal. They manage over $2.4 billion in client assets, and they're growing fast. So go check them out, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Go there, check it out, and if you do that, your first $15,000 will be managed entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions and no hidden fees, you will not pay any management fees on that 15 k that you've invested. Where to go? Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Thanks very much to them for supporting this show. And now we have a required disclaimer for compliance purposes. I have to tell that Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks. And there's a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read our full disclosure. Boom. Boom. Thank you, Wealthfront. You're getting really good at that. I can go faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go faster. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, this is not any uh, thought technology so very different from thought stopping in the traditional sense or in the sense of, you know, hey, slow down, tiger. The slow you roll part of it, the reason I like the slow part is that I think one of the biggest problems of having these sort of thought chains is how quickly it happens. And when you don't catch yourself, it's almost like a snowball rolling down a hill or a train maybe rolling down a hill where it's picking up so much acceleration you may not even realize what is happening until it is, as they say, too late. And so that's why I really like this idea. So when I catch myself going off in those directions, and I realize I sound clinical talking about this, but I think a lot of people have this. I find it so helpful to go, wait a minute, stop, slow your roll. And by that, I'm also saying, I'm going to slow everything down for just a minute. I talked a little bit, this is kind of related to something I talked about a week or two ago with handwriting, about how like a funny thing happens when I write in longhand a little bit slower than right. I think I should. Yeah. So I do two things. I make myself write more slowly, and I make myself write more neatly. Something modally changes in my brain, and I end up coming up with stuff that's different than what I would have come up with if I knew I was just scribbling for a second. I have no idea. I cannot tell you why. I cannot tell you why. And I cannot tell you why that saying slow your roll uh, to myself makes me go, you know, my ideas or my ideations and my emotions are flying by so fast and so out of my conscious control that I wonder if I could slow this down. And I wonder if I could make myself pause for a minute and just say, I'm going to stop leaving this aperture <clears throat> all the way open. And I'm going to say, let's, let's just look at this one thought at a time. Let's look at this one emotion at a time. And I, I can't tell you why, but it helps me so much. And it, I don't even think it's strictly just a false, like, cheer yourself up thing. But it is a matter of realizing that when those wheels are running freely as fast as they want, potentially anything can happen. You're no longer in charge. You're, you're, whatever, uh, you know, automatic emotions and thoughts are going through your head will take over. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I feel weird talking about this because it is kind of personal, but I, I hope it can be helpful to people to just be aware that like when those thoughts and emotions are flying by, you may have a surprising amount of temporary control over saying, it's time to like talk down whoever is sending those bad thoughts at you in your head and be able to say, you need to just slow this down. And I think it can have a huge impact. And it can help you to become just even the slightest bit more mindful about where your mind is going, where you choose to let it go, and how you choose to notice when it's going somewhere that is not traditionally very helpful or, uh, what's the word you use, skillful. Right. I mean, that you say that it's personal, but like all of this stuff I think is kind of personal. And I think everybody has a variant of these kinds of feelings of getting caught in these kinds of feelings. You know, I don't think that it's something that's like exclusive to one kind of person. I remember our, our buddy Gil Fransdahl was always talking about sort of these, I, I'm assuming he overcame them, but he used to talk about these sort of self-worth issues that he would have. Like I'm, I'm not good enough for this kind of thing or, or something like that. And you know, that was something that like, I, I was always surprised to hear someone like him say that because like he's like the nicest guy in the world and he's the most thoughtful guy in the world. And why, what on the earth wouldn't he be worthy of? You know what I mean? And right. it's like you develop these sort of thought patterns as I'm listening to you talk about it. You know, these thought patterns that you can potentially develop that you kind of get caught in and then you start believing in and that can lead to this. And what you're talking about is a really great way to kind of take a step backwards for a second, or take a step out of that spiral. You know, 
right. I just I just I just think it's such a such an interesting and yes personal but also very normal kind of experience to have. Well, thanks. And the and the reason that I that I bring it up is yes, it was helpful to me, but I, I also I don't know. I guess um, I used to consider myself self someone who was very interested in psychology, just because there's there's so much going on um, in our thoughts and in our in our mind that we think we understand. And I, I think most of us can realize. Think about like being in puberty, and think about that that terrible feeling most of us have had at one time or another of feeling like impossibly strange and difficult things are happening and it's your fault or that you have no control over it. There's just that horrible feeling of like, this is, my life is a mess and it's only going to get worse. There's no way this is going to get better. Plus I have a test tomorrow. Plus there's that guy who likes to shove me by my locker. And you get into this way of thinking, if you put yourself back into being 12, 13, 14, uh, I think for almost any of us, we can find incredibly painful uh, experiences from that time that felt hopeless. Right. And, you know, what you can't tell somebody at that age is that, you know, it will get better. It will get less awful in time. Believe it's, I know it's impossible to believe, but you're actually going through what may be one of your first worst experiences of your life. You know, certainly people have loss, but like this is, this is necessarily difficult for everybody because you're kind of a caterpillar turning into some kind of a, a flying animal. We're not sure what yet, but like it's going to be hard. It's going to be weird. But put yourself back in that time and just remember that there's that phrase, that word I love, catastrophizing. I don't love what it is, but it's, it perfectly describes a certain way of thinking. Catastrophizing, which I think I maybe learned from John Kabat Zinn, but it's just this idea of like finding a way to turn anything into a catastrophe to turn anything that happens or that you think could turn into something that represents the end of your world or your integrity as you know it. And if you keep back to those moments, you may not have even been aware because of all the hormones and all the emotions, like how much that was kind of running your life for a while. I don't know. I guess I just wonder sometimes if everybody's aware of the kinds of things like automatic thoughts or I realize I sound like a cult leader at this point, but like, are you aware of things that have become automatic thoughts and automatic emotions in your life? Because if they are automatic thoughts and emotions, there's a pretty good chance you don't have to try very hard to make them happen. There's a pretty good chance that they are happening on a, uh, not subconscious, but on an unconscious level. You're not aware that you feel the way you feel right now because of something that's basically turned you into a very simple machine where a certain thing happens or a certain thought happens. And now that dictates how you might be for a while. So I don't know. I mean, I'll risk sounding like a little bit of a loon or like a, a vulnerable weirdo to just say, I think that's really valuable. And sometimes telling yourself or telling your thoughts to slow your roll can actually have a huge impact. Because it, even in as much as you're admitting that there are different sides to yourself, you're also admitting that there is an executive function. Like in this, in this, in this higher and cooler and more awesome part of your mind, you have the ability to be aware, to be the expediter for those orders and to be able to say like, this is not how we're going to do this today. You need to calm down and take a time out and you're not allowed to just run around in here anymore. That's all. It's a big thing though. And that's, you know, we used to kind of jokingly say, you know, this whole conversation we had way back. Just a guy in a room. Just a guy in a room, you know, (laughs) and it really, is it worth telling the story? I'll make a really short version of the story. I used to work from home and I was a software developer and I was writing PHP and I uh, and, and learning Rails and Java and doing this from home. And I was alone in my room writing code all day. And my boss was in a different city. He was in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
And so he was, depending on the time of year, he was somewhere between two and three hours different from me. And I would be working all day, writing the code, writing the code, writing the code, doing the best that I could. And then I would get these emails from him, I guess, when he would later go and see the code that I had deployed that day or in just his general response to filing bugs in our bug tracking system or whatever. And he would write these emails. And I was not alone in feeling sort of attacked by the emails. I knew other people who would feel that way. He did not mean it that way. But the emails were so exacting and attacking and kind of, I don't even know the right word for it, but there was something about them that was just, would really start to stress me out. In the, the, Sounds like they were, they were cutting. Like very they were cutting, yeah. Something, something about them that didn't have, I mean, I can't, I'm, but I'm guessing from my own experiences, it's the kind of thing where you're like, ah, what is this? Like something that's too raw, too cutting, too just straight to the point in a way that feels, right? The kind of thing that feels like you're being reprimanded. For sure. And I, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean it that way. I'm pretty sure that he didn't mean anything but just the nicest sort of, I want to give you the most constructive criticism possible because this is the company that I'm co-founder of and I care immensely about it. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, you work on the team that I'm in charge of and I want to make the best thing. But I think that translated to just this incredibly, it was never like, you're an idiot and here's why. It was like, this doesn't make sense within the context of this modal, whatever it was. But it was just so, had this negative feeling. And I would get like heart palps from it and I would be like stressing out like big time because that and of course the stress of like meeting a deadline and working through a code crunch time period and all of the other stresses that the person feels in their daily life. But this just became this trigger, and I used to just dread getting email or dread getting an instant message. Or dread, and, and when I say dread, I don't mean like, I really don't want to have one. I mean, it was like the f- feelings of dread, you know, actual Without tangible it, that's, that's dread. What, that's where the guy in a room part comes in because it doesn't take anything actually happening right. for you to imagine it being as awful as it could potentially be. Yes, nothing in reality, nothing was happening in the sense that like next door there's a Russian dude like, putting carpeting down. That's actually happening right now. This wasn't even really happening. I mean, there was a person sharing feedback in a way I didn't really like about something that I had written that doesn't really exist. And, you know, and it wasn't even happening at that time, the email. It was my reading of the, you know, it wasn't real in the same way that a bear in the room or a lion chasing me would be real. And yet I was having these same exact reactions to it on such a, such a tangible, real way in the sense, physical, physical, tangible reactions that, uh, that, you know, and finally I would, the therapist that I was going to at the time, she told me, she's like, you know, she's like, you're just, you know, you're just a person in, in a room. And this was something that I, she didn't say those words. Those are the kind of the words that I attached to it later when I realized I had this realization as I was sitting there. I'm just like a guy in a room, you know, mm-hmm. and like nothing's really happening right now. And the stuff that is happening isn't really bad, but it, it it's taken on the weight of that badness. It's taken on the the intensity of that. And I wish there was a way to get out from that. And of course the way to get out from it isn't just to sort of say, "Eh, I don't care about it and go on a walk. Like that never worked for me. It's really a deeper reframing of your entire 
your entire process of thinking and these habits of thinking and the places that we we think are important in our brain and where those things go. And it it was a very, very hard thing for me to eventually get. I mean, I eventually wound up quitting. But, well, you're, you're, you're imagining part of what you're doing is you're becoming like impossibly efficient at creating an on-demand simulation where like, if you think about like a horror movie or a NASA simulation where the whole idea is to make you forget in that case that you're sitting in a movie theater, right? like a, you know, a fairly secure cinema or that you're sitting in a simulator in uh, Florida, they want you to be or like Kobayashi Maru. The whole idea is to make you feel beyond a doubt that what is happening is happening. And any good simulator will not have any doubt in your mind. You will be invested in what happens. Think about what, ha- what happens when your dude gets killed in Minecraft. Like you're sad, even though that's just, that's just you know, zeros and ones. But that's what you're doing in some ways is regard the, the, the you're a guy in a room part is that no matter what is actually happening or has caused to have happened <laughs> in the world, you have instantly gone into a simulation of about as bad as it could be. And you are the one, you're the one who's generating that. You're the one running that Kobayashi Maru all the time and not even realizing it. Right. Uh, I know you need to run. Did you want to tell me about uh, one more thing you like? Yeah, the last thing I'll tell you about it, our old friend, Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace. Squarespace. I do know They are friends, and they are the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for your ideas. Sites that look professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, no coding required. This is the holy grail, and this is the pipe dream that Merlin and I had years ago. What if you could just go and, and, and start typing and your site would just be done. It would be beautiful. And you say, you know what? I don't want the links to be red. I want them to be blue. And you tweak a little slider. Now they're all blue. Oh, you know what? I want to put an image here. And you just drag the image over. And you, oh, you know what? I want to upload some songs. Done. All of this stuff, it just works. It's amazing. If you're, if you're an artist of some kind, there are these beautiful galleries. You can show your work. You can show your photography. If you're a musician, you can upload your albums. Squarespace gets the concept of an album and lets you organize, and they've got a really cool built-in player. If you want to sell stuff, like you make T-shirts or mugs or stickers or uh, digital stuff too, you know, you're doing screencasts, you're selling subscription, whatever it is, you can put it up there on Squarespace and all of this stuff is built in, trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. It starts at only eight bucks a month. And uh, if you sign up for a year, you get a domain for free, which is a really, really good deal. No credit card required. Go to squarespace.com slash back to work. And the code that you will use to get your 10% off your first purchase is it's your show, all one word. So again, Support the show, squarespace.com slash back to work and do something amazing for yourself and your business. It's your show, 10% off your first purchase. Don't waste time building a website when that's not your uh, your main wheelhouse. Go build the thing that you're good at. Let these guys do the hard work. Thanks very much to Squarespace for making this show possible. Hit a couple buttons and you got a website. It's crazy. It doesn't seem possible. Build it beautiful. No, it seems totally not possible. And you know, and always remember, tell your friends about it. Because because even if it's not perfect for you today, remember there's somebody out there who you didn't even know is wondering, how in the heck do I make a website? Exactly. Like you may be saying, oh, I make websites this way, or I already have a Squarespace site. 
that's so important for you to mention that is that there are clients, there are friends, there are family members, there are people who are like, I want to be on the internet. How do I they do that? They don't know. They don't, Dan, they don't know how to, how to get the Jekyll to the, uh, to the Pelican. They, they don't know how to calipin the, uh, the, uh, rollout or, or, or get the install. All true. Or, 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 uh, or, or run the, uh, run from, from source with right. the, with the, with the kernel and whatnot. Right. They don't know that stuff. No, they're not technologists like we are. No. Ah, <sighs> big week. It's going to be a big week. Huge week. I'll see you there. It will be exciting to see you in person. I'll tell you where my room is. I'll wave to you from the window. Okay, good. Hey, Dan. How's it going? <laughs> no, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be, I got to get a haircut. But do you really? I want you, I want you to have the kind of crazy, I, mean, I don't know, you get it. I miss that. I miss that so hair. short. Yeah. I picked out some uh, Warby Parker glasses, I think. Oh, really? I'm pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, I got to get on that. It's all going to happen. Everything, everything's coming up Millhouse. But uh, no, mm-hmm. I'll definitely see you there. Hey, listen, if you see, uh, if you see me at XOXO, please do say hi. I, uh, all this uh, silliness aside, please, let me be specific about this. Uh, if, if, I, <laughs> if I'm not in the middle of something, no. If I'm walking around, please say hello. And please tell me, if you have a fake internet name that I will mainly know you by, yeah. please don't imagine I have any idea who you are. It's nothing against you. I just, I just don't know what, what e, you know, e logger nineteen seventy four is. Like, I don't know. What, please say hi. Tell me how we know each other. Uh, uh, and and I, I would, I would love to to visit with you. And if you, if you, if you want me to to sign your face or, or take a picture or something, that would be fantastic. <laughs> what great advice, though. It's you know, people come up and they go. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, how's it going? Mm, yeah, right. Mm. You're like, oh, hi. Mm, yeah, my, uh, I did a, a PDF of an index card of yours in uh, 2004. Like, I, I probably remember that. Please tell me. Now be in the room with me. Be in the room with me here. Tell me who you are. Let's have a conversation. Dr. Roderick. <laughs> anyway, everybody's going to be there. All the great podcasters. All the great podcasters. It'll be fun. I'll probably survive it just fine. I got a seat by the bathroom. I'm not making a big deal about it. A seat. flight. I got to see by the bathroom. Oh, is that bad? Good or bad for you? Ooh, well, you know, it's uh, it's an afternoon flight, so hopefully people will have done their business before they get on the plane. <laughs> it's going to be great. Anyway, I'll see every see everybody at XOXO, and we we got a regular scheduled show uh, next Tuesday. We'll yes, be back sir. in uh, back in black. We will be. All right, we better uh, button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. Yeah.